Welcome back to Rerouting, When Life Takes a Turn, where our mantra is sharing releases shame. Is caring. Sharing is also caring. <laughs> sharing is caring. This week we are talking about the family and proclamation to the world. And if you are a Mormon, you know exactly what we're what we're talking about. But if my never, never mo my never mo here, he has a blank at, stare. I'm like, like, like what? What'd you say? I'm like, can you repeat that? We're gonna talk about the history and how unsurprisingly homophobic it is. There's also a little bit of sexism and a lot of patriarchy involved. So let's get into it. So how was your week this past week, by the way? Good? You got to visit with your friends from yes. Hawaii. Okay. We were talking directly. I was like, huh? What yeah, the hell yeah. Uh, yeah, it was good. I got to see a friend. I haven't seen him in two decades. <laughs> it was good. And now I feel old. Two decades is a long time it was it's been over two decades no, it's been over two decades yeah for three sure decades yeah but it was fun for me to see to meet like friends from your high school right and just uh to meet somebody that knew me before yeah that you knew me but i'm still the same me like i've been saying <laughs> for all this time yeah so you've always been a middle-aged man i have <laughs> i literally with a 13 year old sense of humor about yes that. <laughs> right? I'm telling you, I've always kind of, yeah, I'm, I haven't changed much. I've just been grown up. I had just grown I'm grown up. I was just grown when I was a kid. So a, a few weeks ago, I watched Stay Sweet, Pray and Obey, and we talked about it just a little <laughs> bit. Right? So if you haven't watched that, go ahead and watch it. So after you watch that, then go to Hulu and watch Cults and Extreme Beliefs, Episode 7. Okay, that's about the FLDS and it came out in 2018, but it really gives you a look into how things are since Warren Jeffs went to prison. Right. right? It's kind of like a what happened to them after FLDS and LDS share the same first few prophets. Maybe I'm guessing I know for sure. um, As long as they practice polygamy. So I can't remember who cut polygamy off. But for sure, Joseph Smith, for sure, Brigham Young, and then John Taylor, maybe. I don't know. But anyway, and then that's when it splits when polygamy is, you know, they stop doing polygamy. So go and watch that episode because it kind of gives you a after the story insider look. And the lady on there, um, the one like FLDS lady who grew up and she's like wife number, I don't know, but there's a lot of them and she's got a lot of kids and they're. She's super, super invested in her religion, regardless that her prophet is in prison. jail, <laughs> for, Not jail. Prison. for marrying a 12-year-old. Like, she doesn't want to hear any of that. She doesn't believe it. She's you know? like, that 12-year-old's going to hell she, in a she, handbasket for not doing her damn duty. No, <laughs> it's not like that. She just doesn't think it's true. Oh. Mm-hmm. And so she chooses, and she was like, I need my religion. Like, she needs her religion so much to be true that she will ignore any evidence to the contrary. And so you're always asking me, like, right. how do you, how? How do you not see? People just choose. They literally choose what to believe and what, to, what not to believe. And when it boils down to it, I mean, isn't that what we do, personal. all of us? 
Isn't that what we all do? Like right. when it comes to spirituality or religion, like yeah, but it's you're a not choice. trying to pass laws over everyone. Like, geez, like, right. keep it to yourself. Right, but you choose to believe what you want to believe. I mean, really, that's what it comes down to. So she chose, and I just thought, I know so many, <laughs> I know so many people in the Mormon religion that do the same thing. They just choose. They choose to believe, and that's what they believe. You know, right. regardless of the. The, the evidence of the contrary and that's that's just how it is but if you get a chance watch that it's huh. it's really good so we're going to talk about um the family proclamation and when i went to byu idaho because i did the pathway idaho. program and then i went to byu idaho online and i got my bachelor's degree i took an entire semester in college all about the family a proclamation to the world yeah so that's like three or four months i think the i have a couple of books here the listeners obviously can't see but this is one this was required a book reading is about six inches by eight inches about two, one and a half inches <laughs> what thick what are you saying well i'm describing the book so this is required reading it was called stand for the family Okay, by Sharon Slater. When I first uh, thumbed through it, there it's super, gosh, Dense. it's super conservative. Ended up that we didn't use this book. We used a different one. Oh, my God. Really? They have them doing a flag? Like. Yes, yeah, so they're on a hill and they're like oh, raising a okay. flag. It, right? It's like the soldiers raising the American flag on the top of the hill, except for it's a Mormon family. And the whole book is all about how the world is trying to attack and dismantle the family. It's, uh, there's a lot of fear mongering that goes on in this book. And also this one, this is called successful marriages and families, proclamation principles and research perspectives. And that is I've, definitely a for real book. It looks I've exactly heard. like an encyclopedia. It's got <laughs> it like does. gold lettering and it's like, there is no, there are no it's pictures serious. in this bitch. Mm -mm. It's serious. Um, when I first got this book, look, do you see how it's marked? Wow, yeah, you do. You look, you probably got it highlighted in notes I and do. shit in there, I've, too. I've, and when I first read it, I was like, yeah, Fully okay. invested? I was fully invested. You're like, this book speaks the truth because it's got cardboard covers. <laughs> <laughs> no pictures. I kept it for the reason that it Pristine, was... Pristine, by the way. It was valuable. It had a lot of valuable... But probably the resale value is going to be like great once the world starts ending and then people are like, I need the truth. It makes me sad that <laughs> like I horrible. was so invested without question. So here's a little bit of history and you'll find this interesting because it originates. Well, it doesn't originate, but where we're going to pick up in the story starts in Hawaii. Well, so there was that's a my home. I know. So there was a case called Bear versus Mike, M I I K E. I'm not sure if I'm saying these names right. All right. <laughs> Bear B A E H R versus M E E K. That's what uh I would say Mike. Mike M I I K E. <laughs> Mike. Who has two eyes in their name? One I don't know. The a Hawaiian name? I mean M E E K. No. I don't know. All right. Well, let's move on. So on December 17th, 1990, there were three <laughs> same-sex couples that applied for marriage licenses in Hawaii. Your home state. Mm -hmm. right? It was my grandma and her friends. <laughs> they wanted to shake things up a little bit. Um, they met all the requirements. Grandma's of this... a strong lesbian woman. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I wonder if she would have been happier if she was a strong lesbian woman. No, I don't know. She would have been a top instead of a bottom. 
She would have been the dominant oh, okay. one, right? In a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Lesbians have a higher satisfaction rate in their relationships than than heterosexual couples. What? Yeah. So I think because women know have a little nice something something about women. Okay, let's move on. All right. So <laughs> these three couples, they met all the requirements of the state except they were same-sex couples, okay? All right, so on December 27th, it was decided that under the United States Constitution, the right to marry, uh, it's a fundamental right, but only for different sex couples, so heterosexual couples. So their application to marry was declined. On May 1st, 1990, the couples um, filed a lawsuit claiming this was unconstitutional. So on that was May and then October 1st of the same year, the trial court dismissed the suit. So obviously I'm summarizing. There's a lot that has mm-hmm. gone on, but just for sake of time, right, we're just going to give you a little bit of background. So they appealed to the Supreme Court of Hawaii. And at this point, it backs, it bounced back and forth. Like it went back to the the circuit court and then, you know, like bounced around for a little bit. And then... <laughs> A couple of commissions were created specifically to figure out, like, if this was good or bad or whatever. The second commission that they created finally decided on December 8th, 1995. So this all started in 1990. So five years later, um, they recommended that the legislature open marriage to same-sex couples. Trial in September of 1996 occurred, and that was Judge Chang. And he said, hey, same-sex marriage is okay with me. But no, religious people would not have it. In 1998, the voters approved an amendment to the state's constitution that said marriage is reserved only between a man and... And a woman. The Quorum of the Twelve, which is like the governing body of the Mormon church, right? So you have the Quorum of the Twelve. We've gone over this before a little bit. And then, so they're here. And then the president and his two counselors are just above them. Like they're the ultimate, right? And they're kind of included in the Quorum of the Twelve, too. They're like the president over the Quorum. Right. So they began working on the clock, the proclamation about a year after the 1993 Hawaii Supreme Court hearing on gay marriage, because this impacts Mormonism uh, and maybe even some other sects of Christianity. Right. Because a lot of Christian faiths believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. No, it's slowly changing as a society. I think we're slowly changing. But Mormons are pretty steadfast. Pretty about not that. gay. Not rainbow friendly. We yeah, we've talked about it a little bit and on here before. Pretty much racist against the gays. Race, you can't be racist. I'm just. I mean, like they're homophobic. Yeah, that's a good. Mormons are. I mean, Mormon leaders. You know, a bunch of eighty and ninety year old men are homophobic. Surprise, surprise. Right. It's so it's so frustrating. They okay, probably so probably been hiding there. You know, statistically, mm-hmm. there are gay men. That just that run this church because yeah. you can't have that many men statistically and not have a gay man among them. I right. guarantee you. He's least, just like I'm celibate. I'm celibate. Every uh, one of right, those guys yeah. probably has a family, a wife, and kids. And they probably go to and Vegas <laughs> and gay it up. Is probably living a miserable life right now in the closet. The quarm of the twelve. I want 12. my own planet filled with guys. 
The Quorum of the Twelve began working on the proclamation about a year after, right? So in 1993. All right. So while this is all going on, (laughs) the LDS Church in Hawaii, along with the Roman Catholic Church in the state, took legal action to support traditional marriage, quote unquote. So on February 23rd, 1995, they requested permission to intervene in the oppose in, in opposing the the same sex marriages right from those three couples because under Hawaii law an entity may intervene in a legal action by proving that it has substantial interests in the outcome of the case oh yeah so obviously religion and obviously mormonism uh, right. has a substantial interest they were like you know, the Polynesian Culture Center, we'll pull that and we'll put it in Japan. If people aren't having kids, like how seven, eight, nine kids, how is the Mormon church going to perpetuate their membership? Wow. All right. I've been thinking about the future. Guaranteed members right there that are going to be brought up and brainwashed. So at a news conference, church regional rep Donald Hallstrom he was joined by Reverend Mark R. Alexander, who is the Catholic priest, and then Napua Baker Church. She was the spokeswoman um, in Hawaii for the church, and then the church attorney, James M. Sattler. They all had like a, a news conference, right? So Halstrom, the church regional representative, he said, quote, The position of the church on homosexuality is a matter of record. We are opposed to it on moral grounds. We believe marriage should be between a man and a woman only. Uh, he just got canceled. Cancel culture. <laughs> this is a nine to five. So Elder oh, Hallstrom said legalizing same-sex marriage goes far beyond basic rights for any individual or group. How is it be far beyond a basic right like like you and i any individual want to get married right if we didn't have that option let's say you know um there were still laws against interracial marriage right like if we didn't have the option we couldn't do it wow right like when joseph smith was alive (laughs) (laughs) but when you take that right away from someone it becomes even more that's when you have movies like braveheart (laughs) Uh uh-huh you take that right away uh-huh. It just becomes even more evil. I don't know. You know what I mean? No, like, I do. Everybody can enjoy this thing, but you can't. <laughs> I don't, you know. Except uh, you. You suck. That's just fucking stupid. All right. So he goes on to say, this is Hallstrom. He goes on to say, there are times when certain moral issues become so compelling that churches have a duty to make their feelings known. Resist something that they feel um, possesses a serious threat to the moral fabric, the actual fabric of society. The thing that holds us all together is sex with a man and a woman. So he says, because we feel it represents a threat to families, to our children and to our way of life in Hawaii. Our way of life, bitch. So the Catholic priest had to put in his two cents, right? So he says homosexual unions are by their very nature incomplete homosexual unions should not be granted the same support and recognition because they cannot make the same contribution to society more slaves well and contribution means more children never mind that there's a ton of children in foster care that could benefit 
from, from having any parent. a stable home. Elder Boyd K. Packer gave a talk <laughs> in Elder May Boyd K. Packer <laughs> in May eight on May eighteenth, nineteen ninety three. It was a talk to the All Church Coordinating Council. He speaks about three areas where members are being, quote, caught up and led away. And people may feel like it seems reasonable and right to follow the social norms, right? Like equal rights for all. You might feel like that's what Jesus would do, mm-hmm. but you would be fucking wrong and you right? stop thinking that right now. Because he would smack the gay he out of them. He will smite you. <laughs> so here's the following quote from Boyd K. Packard. The dangers I speak of come from the gay lesbian movement, the feminist movement. Yeah, I believe that one. <laughs> both of which are relatively new, and the ever-present challenge from the so-called scholars or intellectuals. Yeah, smart people. <laughs> so-called the guys people. With brains and education. <laughs> people with degrees and PhDs. <laughs> and PhDs and masters. You nobody want to listen to that shit. In regards to feminism. Um, Elder Packer, he uh, refers to a quote by Ezra Taft Benson. So President, and he was a prophet, Ezra Taft Benson was a prophet. President Ezra Taft Benson, this is a quote, gave a talk to wives and mothers. There was a reaction within the church, and he says this, he actually says this comes out of his mouth, right? This part. Ten years ago, that would not have happened. So he's like, the president gave, you know, gave a talk to wives and mothers and they had a, a bad reaction to it. That wouldn't have happened 10 years ago. I am just like, that just, oh my God, you have no idea as a woman how that just irritated me so much. We can't think something is sexist, right? Because you're a president, a prophet, and you speak for God. So heaven forbid something rub up. Uh, the majority of women the wrong way like it's just so pompous and it's just so patriarchal you know it just oh it makes me angry okay so (laughs) he goes on yeah it just makes me a little mad get a little heated don't look directly in my eyeballs because i I will (laughs) singe your (laughs) eyelashes so he goes on to say that was very interesting because if you read this talk carefully, it was, for the most part, simply a compilation of quotes on the subject from prophets who had preceded him. He's saying this was stuff from previous prophets, so it should be OK. Why do you have a problem with it? I saw this TikTok off topic real quick. And this guy, he was uh, like into history. <laughs> it was a full on cage. OK, for a, a woman, it was made specifically for wives who talk back in the eight, 1700s. <laughs> and if they those. talk back to their husband, they put this on and it's a cage. So it's not like completely enclosed, you know, like a, imagine like a bird cage, maybe <laughs> with thicker bars. It goes over the head and it locks around the neck. And where the mouth is, is like a, a pokey. Not like sharp, but a pokey, really uncomfortable thing that goes right into the mouth. It has to go into the mouth in order for the cage to close. And they would parade the woman down the main street and say that she was... A word slut. (laughs) We call them what? Like a, you know, like she was disobedient to her husband or whatever. And he was like, this was, was an actual thing. Like, this isn't made up. This is something that they would do like this is the legacy of uh, of humanity yeah so when women get upset or women get frustrated about roe versus wade or not having any bodily autonomy it's rooted in it it's 
deeply rooted in history. But I digress. <laughs> All right. So uh, he goes on to say some mothers must work out of the home. Right. That's OK. <laughs> he says there is no other way. And in this they are justified. And for this they should not be criticized. We cannot, however, because of their discomfort over their plight, abandon a position that has been taught by the prophets from the beginning of this dispensation. He says, the question then is, how can we give solace to those who are justified without giving license to those who are not? The comfort they need is better, for the most part, administered individually. He might as well have said quietly, right? Like behind right. closed doors. It's not to be administered like in public. So he says to point yes, out to point out so-called success stories, inferring that a career out, out of the home has no negative effect on a family is an invitation to many to stray from what has been taught by the prophets and thus cause members to reap disappointment by and by. What do you think about that quote? Because you know I have a lot of thoughts. How can we give solace to those who are justified but not give license to those who are not? Mm -hmm. Saying like women, some women are justified working outside of the home, but others like... We'll don't have to. So what do we do with them? We can recognize that there are some women that have to work outside of the home, but we don't want all women, right? Like he's basically saying, like, if you don't have to for financial reasons, then we don't be a housewife. We don't want to give you permission. We don't want you to not feel guilty is what he's saying. Right. We don't want women to not feel guilty about working outside of the home. I will tell you from personal experience, that is a hard line to figure out. Like, it's not like we're going to go without groceries. It's not like we're not going to, you know, we're not going to starve. Like, where do you draw the line as a right. woman? Right? Like, we still, it would be nice to live comfortably. It would be nice to have, to be able to send our kids to private school. Or right. it would be, you know what I mean? Like, it would be nice to actually take a vacation and enjoy our life once a year. Where do That's you draw the line? God. God doesn't want you to do any of that. Yeah. Like, does that make sense? Am I making sense? Right, yeah. Like, with your little hands and... <laughs> Tiny paychecks. My little tiny hands? No, I didn't mean like, What is that? <laughs> like, no. Your little ideas. <laughs> you know, like that. I'm talking about the church talking to you guys like that. I personally like it, and I think you work hard at making my food. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, don't fill your little lady brains up with that nonsense. We'll make these decisions for uh, you because we talk to God. Right, we. Not you. Right? We know we, we know what's right for you and your family. God so, talks to us about all your women problems. I have in my notes that it's gross. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings us to the proclamation. I hear you asking, what, what is, is a proclamation? it? <laughs> what is this proclamation you speak of? It's kind of like, you know. <laughs> Do you have a guess? Uh, what the proclamation? No, I don't. You know churches make proclamations. According to the official LDS Church website, only six proclamations have been issued by the leaders of the church. Okay? Six. And uh, then this one we're going to talk about that's is one That's the sign of, of the devil right there. <laughs> the first three were issued in the first 35 years after the church's organization. And we're not going to get into all of those. And the last three were issued in the last 40 years. 
So generally, declarations and statements are directed at Latter-day Saints, but a proclamation is meant for the entire world. So this family, a proclamation to the world, that's to the, that's to the world. It's not just for church members. So everyone has to get on board, okay? <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> All right. The Mormon Church has a website dedicated <laughs> to this document. It's got one page. It's called, no, it doesn't it's actually. This document. Thefamilyproclamation.org. All right. So describing how it came to be, Russell M. Nelson, who is who wasn't at the time, this was in 1994 when it was written, today he's the prophet. At the time he was just an apostle. So he, he says, quote, one day in 1994, the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles spent a day in their council room in Salt Lake Temple discussing issues surrounding the family. I'm trying to get my like prophet voice on. I don't know. They considered everything from the increasingly ubiquitous nature of pornography to potential anti-family legislation of various kinds. This was not a new discussion, but that day, the entire agenda revolved around this one vital topic. So it wasn't like they it just landed in their lap this day and they were like, what? This is news to us. <laughs> oh, Lord. All right. So I want to point out at this point that there were no women involved in creating this document. Oh, there were no women involved in creating a type. document about families. So on September 23rd, 1995, in a General Relief Society meeting, President Gordon B. Hinckley introduced the family, a proclamation to the world. That's the official title. Oh, All right. Wow. So his talk is officially you can find it and it's officially called um stand strong against the wiles of the world <laughs> the wiles all the right wild. so this was found on the church of jesus christ.org website it proclaims that marriage between a man and a woman is ordained of god and that the family is central to the creator's plan for the eternal destiny of his children all right if you're not in a heterosexual relationship then you are going against your own destiny and God's plan for you. Uh, do what you want, <laughs> but this is what God wants. That. <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> so it, it also says, and I'm just, just going to hit some highlights in the document. Each is a beloved spirit, son or daughter of heavenly parents. At least they put parents in there, wow, I guess. Yes. Right? right? Instead of just a heavenly father. Gender yeah. is an essential characteristic of individual, pre-mortal, mortal, and eternal identity and purpose. You know, any anybody who's in the LGBTQ plus community that right. completely disregards your experience in this right. life. To me, like when I when I was studying this in college. You were like, yeah, I get yeah, it. Yeah, I totally wow. ate it up. And I read it now and it makes me so sad it makes me so sad because it's just so uh, dismissive yeah i I don't know i'm not a part of the lgbtq community but i can imagine how that would hurt uh yeah i mean to be like you're not who you think you are to have anybody come in and tell you what you're feeling and what i mean just just disregard your experience yeah 
it seems super hurtful. And that's why I'm always amazed how there, because there are still people in the LGBTQ community that are members and they want to be members and they are trying. In the pre-mortal realms, we accepted God's plan. So I felt like, I feel like that's way for them to say like look you already signed up for this shit like yeah you already you can't back out now you're in it and And look you're doing so well you're doing so good you almost got a (laughs) wing you got some feathers they teach you in the mormon church that people who are born here on earth chose god's plan and everybody else is in outer darkness so obviously you were on board the pre-mortal you was smart so don't be stupid all right so next one sacred ordinances and covenants available in Holy temples, right? Only in holy temples. Make it possible for individuals to return to the presence of God. Only if you've gone to the temple. If you haven't, you're shit out of luck. But in order for that to happen, you gotta go to the temple and pay your 10%, bitches. You think temples are free? 10% of your lifetime. Sorry. (laughs) Did you think it was like your salary? Yeah. No. And in the temple, you have to commit to devoting all of your time and your talents and your energy to the church, not to God, but to the church. It makes me want to throw up. <laughs> Is it because you drank too much? Mm-mm. So we declare that God's commandment for his children is to multiply and replenish the earth. Hell yeah. Holo. Mm-hmm. I like that plan. Jesus. Yeah. So they're telling you, you have free reign to have as many kids as you fucking want to have. And then if you start bitching, guess what? I'm going to throw the Bible at you. He's like, we need more Mormons. (laughs) Sacred powers of procreation are to be employed only between a man and a woman that are lawfully wedded as husband and wife. The means by which mortal life is created to be divinely appointed, you know, through sex. (laughs) So (laughs) we affirm the sanctity of life and of its importance in God's eternal plan. So that's just kind of a nod to anti-abortion, right? Children are entitled to birth within the bonds of matrimony and to be reared by a father and a mother who honor marital vows with complete fidelities. And here's the best part of this entire document. Okay? All right. Here it comes. Oh, shit. Fathers are to preside over their families in love and righteousness and are responsible to provide the necessities of life and protection. So that's um, the father's job. Her to get a job. <laughs> Mothers are primarily responsible for the nurture of their children. Now, you and I both know fathers have how many responsibilities? They they preside, they love in and righteousness and are responsible to provide the necessities of life and protection. That's five things. Mothers Primarily responsible for the nurturing of their children. You and I know mothers do a lot more than that. (laughs) 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 Nurturing. Get the fuck out of my face. (laughs) Nurturing. Nature versus nurture. You kiss my ass. That's all you. That's all y'all need to do. Stay home and nurture those kids. (laughs) Stay home and nurture. Here's some warnings. Okay. Are you ready? We warn that individuals who violate covenants of chastity what no heavy petting asshole Ooh, why you got a point <laughs> we warn that individuals who violate covenants of chastity who abuse spouse or offspring or who fail to fulfill family responsibilities will one day stand accountable before god not today 
Because we're not going to hold you accountable. Right? Knuckle. Mm. No, we good, right? But you're We're not going to hold it. But God will. So <laughs> God, keep that in God's mind while you're this. beating your wife. Right. You Seriously? Know, hit her where you can't see it. The other thing that's <laughs> interesting is they put. I knew a girl named Chastity. Me too. She they didn't put, look like she was chastetic. They put chastity in the same group as abusing your spouse. What? <laughs> what? Okay. Okay. The document goes on to say, further, we warn that the disintegration of the family will bring upon individuals, communities, and nations the calamities foretold by ancient and modern prophets. So the end of the world is coming, y'all. Because marriage is not between a man and a woman anymore. <laughs> that triggered <laughs> the second coming. All right. It ends with, we call upon responsible citizens and officers of government everywhere to promote those measures designed to maintain and strengthen the family as the fundamental unit of society. Oh, shit. The family unit is good. Like having a family, a stable family is obviously good for, for kids, right? They fr- thrive better than they do growing up in like a foster family, right? right? But it doesn't, ne- like studies have shown that it doesn't necessarily have to be a man and a woman. Mm, they just right. need a stable home. Back to the required reading for my class on the family of proclamation. It's called Stand for the Family. It's by Sharon Slater. Stone. So she talks about going to the UN because apparently there is a conference or something. I don't know what they call it. Um, and it's all about families and they're trying to make like laws and things that have to, you know, support or not support families. Mm. So she says some things in here that are like really close minded and like super, super conservative. Mm. But she talks about feminists in here and I got a kick out of this so uh, in the book it's on page two and she talks about her first experience at the un so she says quote much of the opposition to the family was initiated by the quote radical feminists and other special interest groups in attendance representing non-governmental organizations Mm. ngos and they're from all over the world so she goes on By radical feminists, I do not mean women who are working to further the legitimate rights of women. I mean women who espouse a militant anti-patriarchal ideology that all men oppress women and who work to legalize abortion and to promote lesbian, transgender, and homosexual rights, among other things. So I'm reading this and I'm thinking, and... Like that's a that's a radical feminist to you? Equal rights for everybody? Why is that a bad fucking thing? Because people don't deserve equal rights if your skin is browner. Lord. Uh-huh. She goes on to talk about feminists. This is because the radical feminist agenda runs directly counter to all of the world's major religions. And if country because you know why? Because all major religions are patriarchal. Right. And if countries are required to respect religious values, the feminists can't force their agenda on the world because that's what feminists want to do, right? They want equal rights, and you better just fucking stop with all that shit. Uh-huh. We all know women are not don't deserve equal rights. I ain't trying to hear none of that shit. 
So she says, and this part was hilarious, radical feminists see religion and particularly denominations they consider quote unquote patriarchal as the major barrier to women's empowerment. Why wouldn't they think that? <laughs> That's what you guys think. Are you fucking serious? Look at Roe versus Wade. Right We're in a patriarchal That's society right saying. now. She was like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, what's wrong with this patriarchal society? Right. The men. Like, we don't have to think about stuff. We, I know. The men just do everything. Like, <laughs> duh. They tell us when we're allowed to do things. Like, cook and clean and make sure the babies are fed and shit. God, who needs anything else? Oh, God. Luckily, I didn't have to read the whole thing because they switched to a different book before the, the semester started. Mm -hmm. But this was the required reading initially. All right. So the other book that I have is The Successful Marriages and Families. Encyclopedia. Proclamation <laughs> principles and research perspectives. And here's the thing I learned about research. I didn't learn it while I was. Well, no, I guess I did. I learned it a little bit in college and realized like you can use research to basically just justify about anything. Yeah. Justify anything. There's a study out there. You can manipulate it into whatever you want to see. Whatever you want to believe. Right. But anyway, that's just a side note. So this was from that book. And it says, quote, this is, oh gosh, this is a the chapter about defending the sanctity of human life. And it's on page 295. It says, quote, for example, the Young Women General Presidency invited mothers and daughters all over the world to uphold the golden banner of virtue. This was in 2009. The principle and practice of virtue protects all all of God's children everywhere, born and unborn. So Ooh, it's up to women to children. do that. If you get a chance to read the family proclamation, Don't. there's a whole website. <laughs> it's not that long. It's just a page. Um, it's but enough to like set you back. It's, it's enough to piss you off. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, but um, that's it for us. Hopefully we've given you a little bit of insight into this part of the fucked up Mormon history. Mm. <laughs> and this was just back in 95. Fucked up ism. Mm. There was, they were involved in a lot more. Like back in 2008, the Mormon church really pushed Proposition 8, which was against, you know, um, LGBTQ people getting married. Um, and the church was a part of really pushing people to get out and vote against it, right? They didn't want that equal right for anybody but heterosexual couples. Right. And which is interesting because as a true believing Mormon, you believe that the church doesn't get involved in politics, but they do. They just don't yeah, publicize yeah, it. They don't. Oh. But anyway, any final thoughts before we wrap it up? It's very sexist. It is. And even when you leave the church, it's hard to get out of that mindset. You know, like living in the world as a woman is different than living in a world as a man. But Resort back anyway, to training. the Peanut church, butter, the jelly, church exacerbates that in the women that belong to this Mormon religion. You... And it's subtle, right? It's not blatant like it was. They're not putting like cages over our heads, <laughs> but it's, it's super subtle, you know. Yet. 
And you don't even realize it until you step back and you see the subtleties. This is the society we live in, and it's not going to change until we start realizing. Well, and even if it's just small realizations where we tell our daughters, guess what? You know, you don't have to do this. Like Mm -hmm. you have, you can have boundaries. You can have options. You can have, you know, your own mind or whatever. So that's what I'm trying to do with my daughter. And you see all the sass that you're getting. It frustrates me, but I will take it. (laughs) If that means that she's going to be a strong person with boundaries in this world that likes to take advantage of women. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's it for us. Thanks for hanging out. It's time to wrap it up. Bye-bye, Have a great week. Bye. Bye. Bye.